Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. Do you make food? Then let us help you make money doing Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook, or email us info at businesschef.org. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I, of course, am your host, Chef Sean Boucher, with another edition of the Business Chef Podcast. I am excited about this one. This is a great conversation that me and my good friend Bill Cross had about a little endeavor that he entered into that is pretty interesting to me and I think will probably be pretty interesting to you. That is licensing food abroad. Now, this is quite the story, quite the tale, quite the experience that he had. And so I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Mr. Bill Cross from Broad Street Licensing to talk a little bit about his experience. Well, it started three years ago when we were hired by Tony Roma's famous ribs to license their brand to retail. Uh, they had a program in the U.S. for uh, meats and sauces, but they wanted to expand internationally. They have 150 restaurants almost in um, over 30 countries, and it seemed like it made sense to be in retail there as well, and we agreed. So we started with Mexico, uh, Canada, and Europe, and then I had an... Um, a distant uh, indirect connection to Mitch Slate who's the CEO of Walmart Japan and I said uh, Tony Romas and it turns out Mitch is a good old boy and he understands barbecue and he said yeah so he put us in touch with uh, the uh, head of uh, VP of of grocery of perishables because I should distinguish there's perishables and non-perishables at Walmart Japan um, who owns the banner Seiyu, S-E-I-Y-U. So you'll see a lot of our publicity material about the trip as Seiyu. That's the uh, chain that Walmart bought years ago, and they operate mostly under that brand. There are some Walmart super centers, but overall they're, um, it's the Seiyu banner that um, they use. So that's how we got started. And uh, they said, yeah, we're, we're interested in the idea, and uh, why don't you come to Japan and present? And one of the things we should talk about today about doing international licensing or any kind of project is you have to kiss a lot of babies and shake a lot of hands. People think, well, you know, I'm going to do this via telephone, uh, email, um, you know, webinar, um, what is the, you know, any kind of electronic thing, it doesn't work, especially in Asia, where people want to look you in the eye, they want to shake your hand or bow, in the case of the Japanese, and know that you've made the commitment. So we went there for the first time in April. Uh, they said, you know, we're not making any promises, it's just, you know, we're going to hear what you have to say, and uh, you'll appreciate this. I brought along the executive chef for uh, Tony Romas, Bob Gallagher, 
and he put on um, what we call a food show where he had about 10 dishes that he prepared uh, on the spot and served the Walmart people and they were ecstatic and at the end of it the VP of of perishables turned to me and said yeah we this is April remind mind you yeah we'd like to launch this in September and there was this palpable silence in the room as jaws dropped and people kind of quietly were exploding and I looked at him and I said sure thinking okay um, if we don't make September maybe we'll make October or November and we actually did make it short three days on October 3rd (laughs) holy smokes how long does it usually take to get something like this done and going normally you're talking a year to to 18 months because um, grocery stores have what are called resets. They used to be semi-annual, but now they tend to be annual, so that one time a year you come in, present new ideas to them, and they say, yes, yes, no, 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 yes, no, no, yes. And those are the, the new products that end up in their assortment. And if you miss that reset, your SOL for you know a year to 18 months, um, we were are always worried when uh, doing a licensing program about what's called licensing fatigue, where someone sets out on the journey and they think it's going to be, you know, a mile or two, and it's really 100 miles to get there uh, with all kinds of um, things that you have to deal with, which we could talk about in a minute. Um, And suddenly they get into it and they say, you know what, Um, the juice isn't worth the squeeze for us. We'll pass. And that's what you're always worried about. So the longer the rollout, the more the chance you have for licensing fatigue to set in or any kind of project fatigue. Yeah, I can see that. That definitely that definitely makes sense. You don't you don't want to drag your feet. When someone says yes, move on it. Do it right then and there so that the that fatigue doesn't set in. So talk a little bit about some of the unique challenges for this. I'm sure there were cultural things, you know potentially different laws and you know things of that nature that you had to follow talk about some of those things well first and foremost and most obviously is the language and cultural barriers um, I speak fairly fluent Chinese but I don't speak much Japanese at all it's a long story about the Chinese we won't get into it um, so the thing that made <clears throat> made this work is that um, Mitch Slate, the CEO of Walmart Japan, he's an American, understands barbecue, uh, didn't have to explain it to him, and he tapped uh, the VP of Perishables, who is, um, although he grew up in Japan, um, he has Western roots, so he speaks fluent English and fluent Japanese both. So he became our bridge, if you will, between the two worlds, because the biggest problem you face is explaining to other people uh, what it is you're trying to do. And we had to work out uh, a number of kinks with Walmart Japan about uh, how this is going to be handled um, technically, the mechanics of it. You know, who would produce the products? uh, Who would oversee them? Who would have the contract with Tony Romas? Who would have a contract with Walmart Japan? So um, those were all really thorny and potentially intractable issues 
that we would not have been able to overcome without um, the uh, top-down support of Walmart Japan management. Uh, the other thing is we had a terrific project manager there, a man by the name of Satoshi Makino. And Makino-san was just aces. He and I worked together really almost seven days a week for six months. I would be getting ready to go to bed at night and long about, I'd say, 8 o'clock my time, which is, you know, 9 a.m. in Japan, the emails from Satoshi would start to roll in. And I knew if I didn't answer them then that we'd lose 18 hours because by the time I got up the next morning at 7 o'clock, it would be night in Japan. And so we would have lost the entire day. And then I'd have to respond to him, and he wouldn't be able to get to uh, uh, whatever I had you know, agreed to or said should be done until the next day. So like I said, you in essence lose two days. So I would answer his emails, go to bed, get up the next morning, and there would be his responses, and I would, you know, get uh, right on that. And uh, I actually said to him when we were there uh, last week, uh, does your wife know my name? And he said, oh, definitely. And I said, well, my wife knows your name. So we had this little bromance, if you will, and the wives were understanding about the fact that before bedtime, um, the, the boys had to communicate so that they would have their ammunition for the next day. <laughs> that is awesome. It's funny how how regardless of whether there's cultural or language barriers, we we all find those things in common. That we all all struggle with or all have in common. We we connect over those things. So talk a little bit about some of the lessons that you've learned from this scenario or this situation that you're probably gonna use moving forward. First and foremost Make sure you fly business class. <laughs> the idea of, you know, a 12 to 16 hour Trans-Pacific flight in the back of the bus is ridiculous. So, uh, if it's your company, spend the money. If you're a consultant or an outside agent, um, insist that you get to fly business class because otherwise you, uh, you arrive on the scene really unprepared to do work. It, it can take you days to overcome jet lag. Um, we went three times to Japan to do this. The last um, trip, just before the launch, we were there two weeks before the launch opened to get ready for follow-up projects that Walmart Japan wants to do. We got in on a Monday afternoon, Tokyo time. Tuesday morning, we were on an 8 o'clock flight up to uh, Sapporo in the northern islands of Japan uh, to work on factory tours and um, new sauces and those kinds of things. So uh, you can't do that if you're riding in the back of the bus. You've got to be ready to uh, hit the ground running. So that's, that might sound ridiculous, but it's not. It's really you're investing in productivity. Uh, the second lesson, as I said, is you've got to be on the ground. Um, you can't work through a local agent. You can't work. I mean, you know, some of our competitors brag about the fact that they have a Tokyo office. Yeah, they have a Tokyo office, but that person is probably just a functionary who um, isn't going to have the expertise that you do. You know, get your butt over there, uh, meet the people, shake their hands, get to know them, uh, learn to bow a lot, that kind of thing. Uh, the third thing I've learned is um, be flexible. Uh, you are introducing, in our case, um, uh, meat and sauces and seafood 
into a culture with very different standards. So that uh, salmon, for example, in this country, in the U.S. and Canada, has to have a light, almost non-existent flavor or people won't eat it. In Japan, on the other hand, they like their salmon to be um, very savory, very um, flavor-forward, so that when they tried the uh, the Walmart staff first tried the samples of the products we were launching of uh, salmon and vegetables over rice with barbecue sauce. Uh, the staff all said, oh, we love it because you, in addition to the barbecue, barbecue sauce, you can still taste the salmon. Um, it's a it's a flavor that Americans wouldn't like, but the local Japanese taste, that's what they're looking for. So um, make sure that your products uh, adapt to the local market. I know Remy Martin, for example, when they first started introducing their cognacs in Asia, they tweaked them to make them sweeter because the Asian palate uh, prefers uh, liqueurs and uh, whiskeys that are sweeter in taste, uh, wines that are sweeter in taste than, say, the French palate. Yeah, yeah. I can I can see how there'd be a lot of differences in a lot of different preferences among among people from different countries and you know obviously we we grow up with one perception or or one taste or want usually um you know as as we're growing up or our wants and our desires and things are usually stemmed from what our parents feed us and what we eat regularly and so i can see how this this would be very different what do you think really surprised you what kind of um what kind of reactions are you getting or, or what are you finding out that maybe is different from what you had anticipated? Well, I think the biggest surprise we've found so far is pulled pork. Uh, pulled pork is a staple in this country, and uh, Walmart wanted to have pulled pork. And we were a little concerned because uh, you don't find uh, the same kind of, uh, uh, I guess you'd call them hamburger buns that we use for pulled pork here. Um, they're not readily available in um, in Japan. Uh, in fact, the first time we were there, uh, the chef and I both went out to buy uh, what we thought were those kind of mini slider buns, brought them back to the test kitchen, cut them open. They were full of cream. <laughs> so it's like the Japanese uh, got a good laugh over that at our expense, you know, good-naturedly. Um, but there was that issue. Um, they don't have Harada buns. I mean, Harada buns are the, all the rage here at Japanese restaurants, these kind of uh, uh, very um, diaphanous and sticky white buns that are often filled with some kind of meat. That, again, is rare in Japan. And believe me, I could talk for an hour about how different Japanese sushi and American sushi are. Um, so we were down to, well, what would the, abs- the, the local customer eat pulled pork on? And they said, well, it could go very well over rice. And number two, people will just use bread, local, you know, sliced bread. So we were, the chef and I were really skeptical about this and really concerned. And now two weeks into the launch, the pulled pork is flying out the door. And the the Japanese consumer is saying on um, social media, this is so wonderful. I tried pulled pork when I was in America. There's no pulled pork in Japan, and now I can get it every day. So those are the kind of surprises you run into that you think it's going to be one way and it's going to be another and just be prepared to change direction. Man, what, 
what an incredible lesson, just life lesson in general, that regardless of, of where we're at in life or what we're doing or, or any situation that we're in, we have to be adaptable, we have to be flexible, and we have to be willing to change at a moment's notice. Whenever, whenever we're called upon to, to change or to, to really look at things differently or adapt, we, we really have to. I mean, it's, it's an absolute skill that we have to learn that will, that will you know, do, us, do us good in many ways. Being able to be adaptable and change is, man, that is definitely a skill and a life lesson we all have to learn. So, before we go, give us your final thoughts on the trip and, and the whole situation. Um, you know, it was, it was a hell of a, of, of a three-week trip. We were two weeks in Japan, um, another week in um, Hong Kong, China, and Australia, uh, visiting uh, licensees and prospective licensees there. And uh, all I can say is I'm, we're very grateful to the support of Roma Corp, the parent company that owns Tony Roma's, for um, believing in us and uh, letting us do our thing. Um, we went over with the CEO, Brad Scher. Um, he you know, acknowledged our role in his remarks at the um, launch press conference, and uh, for that we're very happy. And like I say, we really appreciate the support. Uh, you, you really have to have that, and the failures we've seen internationally usually come from the fact that uh, the home office is not letting the people in the field do what has to be done and, and relying on their expertise. So if someone's out there listening to this and they, they want to get a hold of Mr. Bill Cross, what's the best way to do that? Just go to our website, www.bslg.com. It's an acronym for Broad Street Licensing Group. Uh, there's a contact button on the website. Um, our phone number is on there. Uh, give us a call. I mean, uh, all we do is... You know, food and beverage, that's our sole focus of the agency. And uh, we like to think we know what we're doing. In fact, our motto is, we make stuff happen. There you have it, Mr. Bill Cross, the man, the myth, the legend. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or anyone who's interested in making food and money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org.